The New York Jets think they've found the missing piece in quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Does Rodgers make them a Super Bowl team? We're going to explore that question and more with Locked On Jets host John Butchko coming up next on the Locked On Giants podcast. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia China, and welcome on in. We are continuing our look at the New York Giants 2023 opponents. We only have a couple left, a few left. And on today's program, we are going to take a look at Gang Green, the New York Jets. And joining me is our Locked On Jets host, John Butchko, who is going to you know, he's got a few things to talk about, you know, some guy by the name of Aaron Rodgers, you know, so, some, something to do with that. But first, John, welcome on into the Lachlan Giants podcast. Appreciate having me on. Oh, I'm glad to be here. It's always great talking New York football with you. Yeah, definitely. And there's a lot to talk about with gangrene. I mean, they're, they're certainly not boring. They were just named, officially named for hard knocks, which will give you another, uh, you know, extra element to your show, I'm sure. Uh, and talking about it. But John, let's talk about this Jets team. Obviously, the big storyline was the Jets felt that they were a quarterback away from maybe being being a playoff team, potentially a Super Bowl team. They went out and got Aaron Rodgers. Let me first get your thoughts on that. Well, if you look at what happened last year for the Jets, I think you it's fair to say that the biggest reason they missed the playoffs was the quarterback position. This was a team that started the year five and two. They were six and three. They were seven and four heading into the month of December. And then they did not win a game after after that after Thanksgiving. I'm sorry, they, they did win a game after Thanksgiving. It was Thanksgiving weekend against the Chicago Bears. The Jets got, if they did not get the worst quarterback play in the league. It was close. Uh, Zach Wilson, it was in his second season in 2022, and it just did not work. And I'll be honest with you, I felt like there were warning signs after that first season. I felt like they should have gone out last offseason and gotten somebody to compete with him in training camp. They did not. Um, Joe Flacco actually started the first couple of games of the season because Flacco, uh, because Wilson suffered an, an injury in preseason. Flacco has had, had a fantastic career with the Baltimore Ravens. He won the Super Bowl, but it was clear he did not have much left in the tank. I mean, I think maybe the best way to encapsulate the Jets quarterback situation is to tell you that Mike White was the best Jets quarterback last year. And all due respect to Mike White, who has made a career for himself after being a fifth-round pick of Dallas back in 2018, but He's not a starting quarterback. He's not a guy you want to build your team around for 17 games. He's a decent st- uh, spot starter. He's had a couple big. He had a couple big games with the Jets over the last two seasons, but he's not the guy you want at the quarterback position. Jets really squandered a great opportunity last year. They had rookie of the years on both sides of the ball. They had Garrett Wilson at wide receiver who had an 1100 yard season. Uh, they had Sauce Gardner who. I would say is already a top three corner in this league. And they also had a running back, Brees Hall, who had he not gotten injured, he may have been the rookie of the year instead of Garrett Wilson. He was off to an amazing start. He was averaging about six yards per carry at the time he got injured last October against the Denver Broncos. And the Jets had an excellent defense last year. Quinnen Williams stepped up. He 
turned into an all pro, a 12 sack season from the defensive tackle position. So Jets really had a lot going on. It's just the quarterback situation held them back. And they pretty much went all in for Aaron Rodgers. They there were other guys available. Derek Carr was one who was brought in. They they had him in for a free agent visit and they let him sign with uh New Orleans and they really did not make an offer to him because they were all in on Aaron Rodgers. So I think the Jets clearly think that Rodgers pushes them to another level. Uh, you know, if he's anywhere close to the guy who was in Green Bay, he's a huge upgrade to the most important position on the field. You know, are the Jets a Super Bowl team right now? Well, it depends. I mean, I think that they're a team that if things break right, if maybe Buffalo stumbles a little bit, if Rodgers maybe channels some of the 2020, 2021 version of himself instead of the 2022 version who was injured and struggled, you know, they've got a puncher's chance. But I do think the Jet, the expectations this year are certainly the Jets will end the longest playoff drought in professional sports. Okay. Now, I'm kind of curious about something. The Jets switched offensive coordinators. They brought in Nathaniel Hackett. The offense, you know, I, last year you mentioned the quarterback play wasn't very good. I think the offensive line also had its struggles, if I'm not mistaken. But otherwise, you know, it sounded like the offense wasn't that bad. So was the move to bring in Hackett – to appease Rogers since he had him in green Bay, or is there just something about, you know, the jets are just trying to, I guess, recreate the, the, the glory years of green Bay. So do you want, do you want the conspiracy theory that's out there? Sure. Why not? So they actually hired Hackett before Rogers announced that he was coming to the jets. So even at the time there was this thought that Hackett was brought in to try and lure Rogers because it wasn't clear at that point what Rodgers was doing. Was he coming back to Green Bay? Was he retiring? Was he going to be interested in another team? So this conspiracy theory is that the, Jet, the Jets hired Nathaniel Hackett as kind of a recruiting tool to get Aaron Rodgers. And I do think that there's something to that. I don't think that's the only reason it happened. Now, there are a lot of rumblings that ownership came into play here, that the owner was not happy with the late season collapse and Woody Johnson is a guy who has not been shy about making an impact during his tenure with the Jets frequently to ineffective, uh, fr- frequently bringing about ineffective decisions from the franchise. It's not always a good thing. It's frequently a bad thing when Woody Johnson starts getting involved and starts dictating moves. So there are rumblings that Mike LaFleur, the old offensive coordinator, was kind of pushed out by the owner. He was very, very close with head coach Robert Sala. Um, Sala kind of enters this season in an interesting spot there's you know some speculation that maybe he's on the hot seat this season. They missed the playoffs the first two seasons last year. They got off to the hot start. Things did not go well. Hackett's a guy he knows well. They coached together on the, on the staff in Jacksonville a number of years ago. So I think he's a guy Sal is comfortable with. I think that probably was the biggest reason they brought him in. I don't think you know Hackett runs his system a little bit differently from Mike LaFleur, but you know, it comes from Green Bay before he was at Denver, he was with Green Bay where Matt LaFleur was the head coach. So it's not an entirely different system. I think it's kind of the system Salo wants to run on offense. And I think when they were selling it to the owner, it probably did not hurt that he had a tie. This new offensive coordinator had a tie to Aaron Rodgers. And I do think that part of the calculus, I don't think it was the entire reason. I do think part of the calculus was that they felt like Hackett would be a guy who could help them land Aaron Rodgers. And to be fair, Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show did say that Hackett was a reason. He was part. It was part of the rationale that he ended up choosing coming to the Jets. Okay, so 
here's here's what I'm curious about from the outside looking in. They bring in Aaron Rodgers. I think they brought in um, a receiver or two of his that he had in Green Bay. They brought in his offensive coordinator. It looks like they're trying to, like I said, recreate what Rodgers had during his better years. But that said, it's really not the same personnel. There's got to be some differences, I would think, in how the offense is going to shape up. What can you tell us about this offense? I mean, is it a replica based on what you have, uh, what you know about it so far? Is it a replica of what was run in Green Bay during Rodgers' you know, better years? Or is it you know, being tweaked? somewhat i think they're going to try and i think they're going to delegate a lot to rogers now if they had gone out if they had brought in somebody different i think nathaniel hackett would have a bigger role nathaniel hackett's kind of viewed as like the ultimate players coach and sometimes that's to his detriment i mean if you read about if you read about what happened last year in denver there they maybe needed a guy who would have a bit of a stronger hand one thing i will say about the old offensive coordinator mike lafleur you know, I never heard anything explicitly, but you got this just got the sense that there were issues with the way he related to players, that maybe he wasn't always the greatest communicator. And I think that a guy like Hackett, who's more of a player's coach, a guy who's a little bit more affable, he might be a good, better fit for this team. I do think, though, with Aaron Rodgers in tow, one of the reasons Aaron Rodgers likes Hackett is the two of them kind of work together. I think Hackett's kind of, kind of a sounding board for Rodgers, but I think when you bring in a quarterback of this stature, you're, you're going to try and do everything you can to make him comfortable. I think that's part of the reason you mentioned they brought in a couple of receivers. They brought in Alan Lazard. They brought in Randall Cobb. I mean, there's still rumblings that the Jets may bring in Mercedes Lewis, which I would disagree with, but I think that they're going to try and replicate this green, what, what Rodgers was comfortable with in Green Bay as much as they can. Before we move off of the quarterback, I got to ask about Zach Wilson, because at the end of last season, Robert Sala said, we're not giving up on Zach Wilson. You know, I guess they, they, maybe it was words. I don't know, but what is Zach Wilson's future with this team? Because obviously if Rogers comes in and plays like Aaron Rodgers can, Zach Wilson's not seeing the field anytime soon. So what do you think his future is? And what happens if Rogers isn't the guy that the Jets thought they were getting, then what at quarterback? Well, you know, yeah, you're right. Robert Salad did say we're not giving up on Zach Wilson. And he says this, you know, as they bench him one and a half years after picking him as the number two overall guy for Mike White. Now, I don't know about you. To me, that sounds like you're giving up on him. Then you go out and trade for one of the biggest names in the sport at the quarterback position. Again, to me, that's giving up on Zach Wilson. Now, Zach Wilson's still going to be around. I think what's going to happen is that he's going to be given an opportunity to work on the practice field. He's going to be given an opportunity to try and develop in low, low pressure situations. They're going to get him plenty of reps uh, with the scout team and they're going to try and build him up that way. And, you know, looking back, if we knew then what we know now, first of all, I don't think the Jets would have drafted Zach Wilson number two overall, but I definitely don't think they, they would have started him from day one because he just was not a finished product. He was not ready to play. I mean, you, if you watched last year, and there were moments where he was struggling to make basic reads. I mean, you could even see like his footwork was not synced up with the timing and the, and the progressions where, you know, he was, he was, his back foot was hitting and his receiver wasn't breaking yet. He was just struggling with, felt like he was kind of struggling with the playbook. He was struggling with confidence. So I think they're going to give him a shot to turn it around. I don't think that they're particularly optimistic. It's one of those things where it's like, I think a lot of teams just have a developmental guy. Frequently it's a late round pick. Maybe it's a fifth or sixth round pick. And you're just saying, all right, well, 
there are some tools we like here. We're not expecting anything, but who knows? Maybe it'll work out. I think that's kind of where the Jets are with Zach Wilson. It just doesn't look that way because he was the number two overall pick and because he was a starting quarterback the last two seasons. And you know, to answer your last question, if Aaron Rodgers isn't the guy, then, I mean, everybody's getting fired and the Jets are going to be starting over because they have a lot invested in Aaron Rodgers. They they gave up a second their second round pick this year. They're probably giving up their first round pick. I mean, there's, it's a conditional pick. It goes to Green Bay if Rodgers plays at least two-thirds of the snaps. So unless, you know, he suffers an injury, a devastating injury early in the season, he's going to hit that. So, and they also, his contract is still kind of up in the air. They still need to rework it. Right now he's on, he's slated to make like $1.2 million this year. That's going to go up. And part of the reason it's going to go up is because he's slated to make $107 million next year. So common sense would probably dictate that some of that 2024 money is coming to this year. The deal actually had to be reworked so Green Bay could make their cap work to trade it. Um, so there's a lot riding on this. I mean, I, th- I don't think you give up a first-round pick and a second-round pick for a soon-to-be 40-year-old quarterback and have a plan B. I mean, this it pretty much has to work for the Jets. Yeah, because if it doesn't, you're like you said, it's going to be a catastrophic meltdown over on the uh, other side of MetLife Stadium. All right, Giant fans, we are talking with John Butchko, of, host of Lock on Jets. And we just got done talking about quarterbacks, but there's a lot more we've got to talk about regarding the Jets, including some position battles, which we will get to right after this. Hey, Giant fans, if you own your own small business, you know that sometimes these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates. So that's why you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. I myself have used LinkedIn Jobs to find aspiring writers and editors for Giants Country, the fan nation site that I run over on SI.com. And the process is not only super easy, but it is a big time saver. So the way it works is simply add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates that have just right skills and experience so that you can quickly prioritize whom you'd like to interview and hire. Don't spend time sorting through endless resumes and dead-end leads. Put LinkedIn Jobs to work for you today for free by visiting linkedin.com slash lockonnfl. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. You got your host, Patricia Trainer. That's me with John Butchko. He is the host of Locked on Jets. Does a great job. Make sure you check him out. Make sure you check out all our Locked on hosts. They all work so hard to bring you quality content that you will not find anywhere else. So give them your some love, Giant fans. I know they would appreciate it. All right, John, let's talk about some of the position battles that are going to highlight or headline, I should say, the Jets summer, this uh, the Jets summer training camp. And I think you've got a couple on the offensive line, if I'm not mistaken, one at left tackle. And of course, it's center, you know, the, even though you have Joe Tipman that you drafted, a guy who I wanted, by the way, although I'm happy the Giants got John Michael Schmitz. Um, that's not set in stone. What can you tell us about the battle along the offensive line? Because that was a problem for the Jets last year. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. The Jets are telling us there there's a battle at left tackle between Dwayne Brown and Mackay Becton. 
I'm not sure how much I believe that because I think the coaching staff loves Dwayne Brown. I mean, they, Jeff, Robert Salas, since he took over, there have been times where he's claimed that there's a coach, there's a position battle here. We're going to have an open position battle. And then you see that the coaches have kind of already made up their mind. Now, I think there is a bit of a question of Brown's health. You know, he's, he's coming off a pretty injury plague season. He's recovering from an off season injury. So, but Kai Becton might be able to step in if Brown is injured, but I, I just get the sense. And again, this is nothing that's been explicitly said to me. I get the sense the coaching staff is down on Makai Becton, who they drafted, I believe it was 11th overall in 2020. He actually had a pretty solid rookie season, and then he suffered back-to-back season-ending injuries. Uh, 2021, year two, it was, I think it was the third quarter of week one against Carolina, and last year it was in a preseason practice. And there's been a, some bad blood. Becton was actually pretty openly critical of the way the coaching staff reco- uh, handled his recovery last year, and he kind of hinted in an interview recently that, he felt like the coaching staff put him in a position to get injured again. So there's a, there's just, it just seems like there's a lot of unresolved issues there between the coaching staff and Becton. I don't get the feeling the coaching staff has a lot of love for him. I mean, what I'll say is last year they moved him from left tackle to right tackle. And the reason was that George Fant, when Becton got injured in 2021, did a solid job that year in place of Becton with all due respect to George Fant. I mean, who did have a solid 2021 season. I don't think a guy like that, putting together a decent campaign is reason to move a guy you drafted in the top 11 from left tackle to right tackle, unless you're kind of down on, on that guy. Uh, so I think Dwayne Brown's going to be the left tackle. If he's, if he's on the field um, jets are suggesting otherwise I, I'm in a mode where I, I'll believe it when I see it, but your center is a center is a really interesting one. Connor McGovern, I think, I think has been a really solid center for the jets. And for whatever reason, it just seemed like the Jets did not want to bring him back this offseason. And I think it turned into one of those situations where McGovern probably overplayed his hand in free agency because, again, this was a good center. And it's not like every team in the NFL has good center play. And he just sat out there forever. I mean, he was available, up, I think, up until the week before the draft on the open market. And he eventually had to settle for a cheap one-year deal. I think it's only around a million or $2 million dollars. Uh, so the Jets, you know, I thought did very well by getting McGovern back. I would have tried to bring him back. But as you mentioned, they brought in Joe Tipman from Wisconsin. You know, it was that was one of the big debates in the Jets fan base is which of these big 10 centers do we take? Do we take Tipman or do we take Schmitz? Uh, the Jets ended up taking Tipman, which was not a surprise to me because the general manager, Joe Douglas, he drafts based on traits and Tittman's a big guy who moves really well. Not that Schmitz isn't, but Tittman just like fits the athletic profile. He kind of jumps off the screen at you when you watch him and especially the way he finishes blocks. So my sense is that the jets want Tittman to win this job in part because they just drafted him in the second round. And I think you always, when you draft a guy in the second round, you're kind of hoping he wins the job. And also because the jets were prepared to let McGovern go until he kind of fell into their laps on a cheap one year deal. But I think the Jets have done well at the center position this year because they've bought themselves some insurance that if Tipman maybe needs a little bit of time to refine his hands technique, if he maybe isn't ready on day one, they do have a credible guy they can plug right in there. So my guess is that Brown's going to start at left tackle. I think the Jets will lean towards Tipman, but if he's not ready, then I think McGovern goes in. But I think if all is, all is equal, Tipman starts at center. Another um, position that I think you guys have a battle to sort out is that slot receiver. Where do you see that or how do you see that playing out? You know, it's an interesting situation for for the Jets. Um, They have a lot of different guys. So I feel like it might just be like a mix and match type situation where you see guys rotate in and out of the slot. I think Garrett Wilson will see a fair share of time there. 
I think Alan Lazard, actually, even though he's a bigger type receiver, if you follow Nathaniel Hackett's uh, tenure with both Green Bay and Denver, they use a lot of tight end in the slot, but they also like to use bigger body guys who can block. And the Jets' tight end position is not that great. So I think Alan Lazard could see a fair amount of his time in the slot. And they also brought in one of Aaron Rodgers' favorite targets, Randall Cobb, who is exclusively a slot receiver. And they also brought in Nicole Hardman from the Chiefs, who can play outside, but also will slide inside. So I don't know if this is a good answer. This is probably a bad answer because I'm not really giving you an answer, but I think it's going to be like one of those things by committee where guys will slide in and out and they'll kind of rotate the position. I think it's a little different. Two years ago, uh, the Jets had Jamison Crowder and Braxton Berrios, and those two guys were pretty much full-time slot receivers, and they pretty much had inside receivers and outside receivers. It was more regimented. I think this year you're going to see more of a rotating basis where guys will kind of slide inside, slide outside. And there's also Corey Davis in the mix, who I didn't mention. Another bigger guy who's, you know, in his career seen a fair amount of time in the slot. So he and he might join Lazard and there's a bigger body uh, slot option who maybe helps with the run blocking a little bit. You mentioned before that you have an injury at running back. I think you said Brees Hall, I believe it was, is still recovering from an injury. There's been talk of the Jets potentially going after Dalvin Cook, who is currently a free agent. What can you tell us about that? Uh, what are the Jets' chances, do you think, of landing Dalvin Cook? All right, here's my theory on this, and I, I could be completely wrong. I don't know how much the Jets are in on Dalvin Cook. I feel like part of this is they may just be trying to drive the price up for Miami because the Dolphins, in the, who are in their division, are also rumored to want Cook, and apparently they haven't met his terms yet. I think Dalvin Cook could make sense for the Jets because, as you mentioned, Brees Hall's coming back off a serious injury. Um, you know, I think the Jets are going to want to bring him along slowly. I think that he's a really important look. I mentioned the Jets started five and two last year. That seventh game when they won, when they went five and two, that's when Brees Hall went out and they finished seven and ten. So that tells tells you a lot about how important Brees Hall is to this team. And I know one player doesn't always make the difference. Brees Hall made that difference because the Jets were struggling to throw the ball and he was still able to move, help the Jets move on offense because he was so dynamic as a rusher. So I I do think Dalvin Cook can make sense. I think a lot of it comes down to how much they like a day three pick. Is he a Banaconda out of Pittsburgh, a guy who has a lot of speed, a guy who could potentially be a good player for this team and you see it every year that, you know, every every year there's some team that has some day three pick at the running back position who steps in immediately and looks really good. So I think the part of the question here is, do the Jets really like a Banaconda? And listen, they, it could be a smoke screen. We, we've all seen times where teams say, right, we love what we have here and then we, we don't need anybody else. And then they end up signing a replacement. But for right now, I, I get I do get the sense that the Jets do like a Banaconda and maybe they won't be as interested in Cook. Listen, if they signed Alvin Cook tomorrow, I'm not going to be shocked, but that's just my read on the situation at the moment. We've been talking mostly about the offense so far, but I got to ask you about the defense. This is a solid defense. I mean, do you see any weaknesses or concerns on this defense? I think it's at the linebacker position. Now I know people are going to say CJ Mosley was an all pro second team, all pro last year, and he was a pro bowler. I think a lot of that was based on reputation. I'm not saying CJ Mosley was bad. I thought he had a good season last year. This is not the guy we saw in Baltimore. This is not the guy who went to pro bowls year after year in Baltimore. I think part of it's, he's kind of an awkward fit for the defense because I think Salah likes a rangy linebacker, a guy who can go sideline to sideline. CJ Mosley is more of a straight ahead guy, block, shed block, uh, play the run. He does that. Well, he's, he's a good run stopper. 
he's not great in coverage though. So if you have a tight end who can exploit him, if you have a running back who can exploit, exploit him in coverage, that's the area where the Jets defense is going to have trouble. And you also have Quincy Williams, his brother, his brother of Quinn and Williams um, guy, the Jets claimed off waivers a couple of years ago from Jacksonville who earned a second contract with the Jets and earned a starting role. He's like a really hit or miss guy. Like when he makes a play, he's like in the backfields, he's getting a tackle for a loss. He's delivering a big hit. When he misses, he really misses. He's one of those guys who's extremely aggressive. And sometimes that leads to a home run. Sometimes it leads to a strikeout. Sometimes, you know, he's flying up the field and he just drills a guy. And sometimes he's flying up the field and he hits the wrong hole and he, you know, a 20 yard run happens. So linebacker is the spot on defense where if you have a way to exploit it, that's the area, that's the area where you can do it against the Jets. All right. Well, we're going to talk about matchups coming up as well as some new faces on the Jets that maybe we want to pay attention to. So that is coming up, Giant fans, right after this. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. And a shout out to my everydayers, to my newcomers and everybody in between. And a special shout out and hello to all the Jet fans who might be checking out this podcast. Welcome. Hope you find uh, the podcast to be informative. Um, I know John and I will be talking again later on in the season, right before the Giants and Jets meet. I believe it's in week eight and we'll be doing our crossover show. So always great to to touch base with fellow Locked On hosts. It's, they're the best. I, I just absolutely love each and every one of them. And I hope that comes through on the program. But we're talking with John Butchko about the New York Jets. And John, I want to talk about um, real quick, I want to get your take on some of the new faces that we haven't really discussed, whether they be rookies, free agents, some of the names that we need to keep an eye on that you think are going to play big roles for the Jets in 2023. You know what's interesting is the Jets added maybe the biggest name in the NFL this offseason in Aaron Rodgers, yet the rest of the offseason was kind of quiet. You know, we talked about some of the guys they brought in, Alan Lazard, who's going to be a receiver, uh, Randall Cobb, but there weren't that many other additions other than Aaron Rodgers. The guy they drafted, um, uh, Will McDonald, in the first round, 15th overall, they're bringing him in. I think he's going to come along slowly because the defensive line is one of those spots is probably the deepest spot on the team. And that's kind of what you want. I think I feel like you don't want to ever bring in a rookie and have pressure on him to step into the lineup. And they've done that as well with Joe Tipman, who is going to be competing against Connor McGovern. Uh, so it's interesting because it, obviously Aaron Rodgers, well, we've, we've talked plenty about him, but outside of Rodgers, there aren't a ton of big changes. I, I think the one guy I have my eye on is Adrian Amos, who they brought in to play safety. Safety was a very inconsistent spot for the Jets last year. Uh, LaMarcus Joyner and uh, Jordan Whitehead had good games. They had bad games. When they played well, they played really well. When they played poorly, they played really poorly. Adrian Amos has been a really solid player through most, most of his career, first with Chicago, then with Green Bay. So another Green Bay Packer the Jets brought to, brought to the team. I think this of, of all the Packers the Jets brought in this offseason, I think this might be the one that wasn't connected to Aaron Rodgers because they signed him after another safety, Chuck Clark, suffered a, what should be a season-ending injury. I loved it. The Jets traded for this safety, Chuck Clark, from Baltimore, who I thought was going to be great. And then they bring in Adrian Amos. So I do a show the day they sign Amos, and I talk about how they're going to have all these three safety looks and Chuck Clark and Jordan Whitehead and Adrian Amos. They're going to be great together. And then like five minutes after I post the episode, they reveal 
the reason the Jets signed Adrian Amos is Chuck Clark's out for the season. So never a podcast with a shorter shelf life than that <laughs> one. But Amos does a little bit of everything. He's played in the box. He's played deep. He's just a steadying presence, which I think is something the Jets needed on defense. So that's really, you know, if we're getting past, you know, the Aaron Rodgers and all the guys Rodgers brought in, I think Adrian Amos is the guy I have my eye on. What is the, you know, you mentioned the linebackers as being, you know, something you want to see sort out. Offensive line, obviously, there's some questions that need to be resolved. But if there's really one big overall picture, something that you want to see happen or get resolved with the Jets coming out of training camp that's go- that you think is going to make a big difference, what's that one question that you need to have answered? Oh, I have two. I have to okay. pick one now. Um, no, can I, can I do- okay, I'll do two. Uh, first, first is the offensive line because – Aaron Rodgers, as great as he's been, he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's 39. He's going to turn 40 during this season. And those hits add up. I mean, we've seen it with the older quarterbacks in this league. Even when they play effectively, you want to be able to protect them because it's tougher to recover as you age over the course of a long season. You don't want them to get hurt. And the offensive line is a big question mark for this team. The other thing I'll say is that I think Aaron Rodgers is still good. I think he's going to be an effective quarterback. From watching him in Green Bay the last couple of years, one thing that I have noticed, if we're talking about tangible areas of decline, he doesn't move like he used to. I mean, he just doesn't have the ability to make the – I want to be careful with what I say because is he capable of making a a big-time throw on the run? Absolutely. Is he a statuesque quarterback the way Joe Flacco was for the Jets last year? Absolutely not. You know, he can move a little bit. But one of the things that made Aaron Rodgers so special to me as I watched him through the years was just his ability, how effortlessly he was able to break the pocket, you know, move left, move right, and you know, throw an absolute rope 30 yards down the field. I don't think he could quite do it as frequently anymore, which means that the offensive line's got to protect him. So that's number one. It's hopefully sorting out the offensive line because there are question marks there, as we've discussed. Number two is Brees Hall's health. Brees Hall, again, was averaging almost six yards per carry last year, and he was getting better. He was carrying the offense at a point where the Jets really were not getting much out of their passing game. And when he left, the Jets continued to not get much out of their passing game. Now, Garrett Wilson stepped up in his absence, but Jets offense really kind of uh, struggled after Brees Hall left the lineup. And, you know, when you look at quarterbacks who are older, who have success in the NFL, and one thing I've noticed, and you know, I'll go back to the last Green Bay quarterback who, who left the Packers, Brett Favre. He had a pretty unsuccessful season with the Jets. The Jets are hoping Aaron Rodgers doesn't follow in his shoes. But after he left the Jets, he went to Minnesota. And he had a great season in 2009 with the Vikings. And part of that was he had a great back in Adrian Peterson to kind of take some of the playmaking load off his shoulders. And I think Aaron, I think Aaron Rodgers can still be good. I don't think he's, he's a prime He's a player who's performing like he did in his prime anymore. And if Brees Hall can get back to being that impact back, if the knee is healthy enough for him to step in, I think this Jets team can can really make some noise in the AFC. And, you know, the other aspect of this is, you know, the two are kind of related because if you get a lot from Brees Hall, you don't necessarily need as good blocking to be as effective because there aren't many backs in the NFL who can who can run effectively with shaky blocking. Brees Hall was running effectively with shaky blocking last year. So, if you get the Hall situation resolved, maybe you don't need quite as much from the offensive line. So I think it's one or the other, maybe, hopefully both. But I think if, if they just get one of those two under control, this could be a really interesting team. All right, let's talk real quick about matchups. I know the rosters aren't set, but we know certain guys are going to be in there, barring season-ending injuries, of course. 
So let's talk about matchups, Giants offense versus Jets defense. What's your marquee matchup that you're going to be looking at? Oh, that's a that's a good one. Um, I'm interested in uh, Saquon Barkley versus this uh, defensive line the Jets have. I mean, it's a Jets defensive line is built more on rushing the passer. I mean, that's what Robert Sala believes in. But you know, I've I've always been really impressed by Saquon Barkley. I, you know, he's such a dynamic runner. He's such an explosive player. He's a guy like you know Brees Hall. Who I, I talk talking about Brees Hall a lot like him. And I think, you know, Quinn and Williams in particular in the middle of the Jets defense, he's probably the best run stopper the Jets have. So I don't know. I guess you usually wouldn't say a, not, a running back versus a defensive lineman, but I think that's a really, a really intriguing matchup to see how Saquon Barkley deals with this Jets defense. And, you know, Jets Jets have corners who can tackle. So if they try and get him out, out wide, it would be interesting to see how he handles, he goes one-on-one with them. But I'm always interested in watching Saquon Barkley operate. Okay. And that's, now let's flip it. The uh, Jets offense versus the Giants defense. Where's your marquee matchup that you'll be watching? Do I, I have to put Aaron Rodgers in it, don't I? I you mean, can I, if can you I, want to. I think well, I, I love Wink Martindale, who I think is a really interesting. So I think it's kind of like the chess match between Aaron Rodgers, who's such a, such a branded quarterback, and Wink Martindale, who runs such an interesting defensive style. I think it's just. If you're if you like love watching film, like I love all I feel like that's the kind of thing like I'll really appreciate like two or three days down the line when you're watching the film, like watching these two, like how they react to each other's moves. So I think to me that's that's a really intriguing matchup. And I'm glad the Jets have Aaron Rodgers this year for go, going up against this Giants defense instead of Zach Wilson. Last question for you, John. There's a lot of expectations for the Jets to not only become a playoff team, but maybe make a serious push for the play for the Super Bowl. If this all falls apart at the seams, who's more on the hot seat, Sala or Joe Douglas? Oh, you, you love that question, right? <laughs> the or both. Maybe both are. I think I think they're both in big trouble. I mean, I think part of this move, look, they could have made another signing at the quarterback position. You know, Derek Carr was out there. And I know Derek Carr's not as good as Aaron Rodgers. But the thing with Aaron Rodgers is, you know, he's 39. He's going to be 40. They gave up a lot to rent Aaron Rodgers for a year or two. To me, that's almost a sign that, you know, they know they have to make this happen this year. So I get the feeling, and I'll say this for the Jets, there have been a number of times in the last 15 years where the head coach and the GM were on different timelines. And it's been to their detriment because it creates distrust in the organization. It was true. That was true of Rex Ryan and John Idzik, uh, Mike McCacken and Todd Bowles, even though, you know, they, they were hired at the same time really did not have much of a working relationship. I mean, the two, from what I understand, the two didn't really interact that much. Um, these two work together. They're, they're, tie, they're kind of tied at the hip, I think. You know, Robert Sala was Joe Douglas's guy. Joe Douglas was given full authority after the Jets fired Adam Gaze in 2020 to go out and find his guy. And the two of them had not worked together. So it was an interesting hire because I felt like Joe Douglas would probably hire somebody he had worked with in Baltimore or maybe Philadelphia. Now, he went, he went outside his network and hired Robert Sala. So my guess is that they're tied at the hip. And I think that's the way it should be. I, I think that's, I think it has not been that way for the jets frequently. And I'm kind of glad it is because I view it. These two are, these two are a package deal. They either win together or they lose together. Giants can relate because, you know, until they got Dable and Shane, both from coming from Buffalo, we went through the same problems with the GM and the head coach, not being on the same timeline, not being on the same page and it was a long decade in between, you know, the last Super Bowl victory and where we are now. 
you know, for giant stations. So we, we kind of feel your pain somewhat, you know, but uh, we'll see. I mean, the jets look like they have, you know, a much better roster, probably one of their better rosters. And they're going to be featured on hard knocks, which, you know, we were talking about before we started recording. So I'm sure you're looking forward to that. And I'm just wondering, do you think that'll be a distraction for the Jets? I talked about this. I talked about this uh, uh, on Locked on Jets in a recent episode. My view on this is I feel like I feel like a lot of times like we look at this because we've been so conditioned by NFL head coaches to like view it this way. And it. I always view like I almost think NFL head coaches are a little too obsessed with like this distraction stuff. You know, it's going to be different. Like I, I think if you if you've put cameras around me every minute of my life, maybe I'd react differently. I think these guys are professional. Um, I think that you know the Jets are going to have a pretty veteran roster, so I think you'll have guys who know how to handle it. And here, look, here's the other point I'm going to make: Jets have not made the playoffs since 2010. Last time they made the playoffs, 2010, that was the year they did hard knocks. So I'm looking at this saying, if it's that bad of a thing, well, why did they make the playoffs that year? And why have we gone 12 straight years, no hard knocks, no playoffs? So I understand the argument. I I think it's probably a little overblown, though. So I'm not – I'm looking forward – you said it right. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be great. I'd love for the Jets to be on hard knocks every year. I want to see, like, the inner workings of my team. So that's – I'm I'm looking at it from that standpoint. I'm going to get to, like, get insider access – things I normally would not see from my team. So I'm, I'm very excited for hard knocks. Well, it's going to be great from, from a media perspective, certainly, but you know, I, I know the giants, they, they've been avoiding hard knocks, oh, you know, every team does it. Like, you know, it's like you, the league has to force it on you. And I think like every, I, I think like every coach views it. I think every coach is conditioned to view like anything they don't control as a distraction. And I don't know, like, I mean, there are some, I think rightly, I think there are, there are situations where, you know, maybe it's not the best thing, but I almost view, I, I view it as like, look, you're in the New York market. You just traded for one of the highest profile players in the sport. If you didn't want attention, you probably are, this probably is not the right team for you. That's, I guess that's kind of the way I look at it. Yeah, but it should be fun. I mean, certainly I, I'm sure the Giants will cross paths, you know, because they play the, the Jets, you know, in the preseason, like always. So should be a fun summer and i'm kind of disappointed that the the scrimmage or the joint practice between the two teams isn't going to happen this year but we'll get them next year we'll see you next year i'm sure so all right giant fans that's going to do it for this edition of the locked on giants podcast he is john butchko of locked on jets please check out his work and don't forget to keep it here on the locked on giants podcast coming up we're going to have a Saquon Barkley reaction show. So as of 4 o'clock today, we will know if Saquon is signed or if he is going to hold out or and have to play on the tag. Also coming up on the on the podcast, Nick Filato is going to join me as we do a two-part preview to get you ready for summer training camp. And I've got a couple more opponents that I have to get onto the program um, so I'm going to work on that. I think we've got the Dolphins, the Rams, and the Bills, I think, remain. So I'll try and get those guys on before we start training camp next week. So thank you for tuning in. For John Butchko, I'm Patricia Trena. We will see you again tomorrow, Giant fans.